and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, let me get adjusted. God damn, this pillow. DJ Ed is on the mic and the mixer. Yay! <laughs> you are, I'm so glad you're officially embracing your <laughs> DJ Edness. It's, uh, at, le- at least you're not doing, like, kids' parties or weddings. Are you available for bar mitzvahs? <laughs> I'm re- I'm available for anything, mate. <laughs> I'm available for anything because, my God, I need this job so badly. I'll do a funeral. <laughs> no, I, I always used to think, like, mixes were, looked intimidating when, yeah. like, when I first saw them. But now, when you understand what all the dials are, it's a piece of piss. It's a piece of piss. <laughs> you are about to experience trash cinema. Oh, my God! everyone and welcome to another episode of the trash tapes where one man's trash is another man's treasure i am your host johan chapal the victor of pain and i am here with my victim and dj and soundboard mixer and everything else edward harvey Hello, mate. Howdy. I've gone Australian. What's going on? What? Ever since you embraced this DJ Ed character, you've now become an Aussie, aren't you? Well, it started off as like the, you know, the uh, Harry Enfield kind of in yeah. Paul Whitehouse DJ. Yeah. But you sort of now and again morphs into Australian, isn't it? That one. <laughs> I bet you're just going to wear a cork hat and call everyone crikey. Oh, but that's brilliant. How are you doing anyway? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm very excited yeah. for the uh, film we're talking to talk about. Yeah, I'm very excited about it because technically, we've been we've been doing this trash tapes experiment experiment in air quotes for about two years now. Yeah, this is when we first started two years ago with Troll Two, and I, I and I've always said from the get go that we've kind of started off really too well because there's been movies that never matched Troll Two ever since. No, I think we needed a good one to kick off, but then we kind of peaked too early didn't we it's like we, we started off and it was amazing the first episode i still listen to it now and find it really funny it's hilarious uh, but then it's difficult to keep up with that kind of momentum you know because then it took at least 
about four or five more episodes to find another movie that was just as good. So since it's now been like two years, which I'm still surprised by, we had to do another big one. I think this is what we have to do every year. We have to do a biggie, a very well-known one, a famous one, one that trumps all of it. We're doing Samurai Cop. His real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. Omaha, Yamaha, whatever his face, his name is, right? Are you Fuji, Fujiyama? He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. I want him dead! Damn. God damn you guys! All you've done is cost me bloodshed and mayhem! Well, this one's dead too. Not captured alive. Have you been circumcised? Well, your doctor must have cut a big portion of it off. No, he, uh, he was a good doctor. Now, I'm telling these son of a bitches that if they continue killing our children, I'll have their stinking bodies in garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it? Yeah! <laughs> Samurai Cop. It is... Oh, boy, Samurai Cop is a completely different kettle of fish. It is it is a very unique piece of trash. Um, yeah. I've got a soundbite that sum- summarises it. Do it. So they call you Samurai. Let's see how good you are with the sword. Samurai Super Cop. Yeah. Pretty much. This is the... It's like the room version of action movies. It's difficult to summarise it because there's there's mm. there's lots of, like, sort of stuff going on. And it's like there's two... When I was watching it, making notes and making, like, sort of uh, time code notes for the sound clips... Yeah. There's just too many. It's just like there's too, too many funny things happen. It, too uh, many mistakes and all sorts of stuff. For the very first time ever doing a trash tapes, I had to actually stop the movie, rewind it and make notes because there's so much I wanted to talk about. Um, like to the point that I, I've got my phone out, right? I've got my phone and I've got, I've got the notes page. There's three pages worth of notes. Just on, writing an essay on Samurai Cop. I, I could totally write a thesis <laughs> on Samurai Cop. And it's because Samurai Cop is such a unique kind of devil, I like to call it. Yeah, um, let's just break it down, first of all, very simply, that uh, people are wondering what the hell I'm talking about in terms of Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop is a 1991 American direct-to-video action film directed, produced, and written by Amir Savan, right? Amir Savan was an Iranian, right? He was an Iranian who went, who came to America, wanted to make... uh, American action movies, right? Which is always a kind of thing with a lot of famous bad films. They always seem to be foreigners trying to make American movies and just failing miserably because they're not American. Mm. Um, and they think they know what American... It is to be American and what Americans like in films, but they don't really have an idea. They have no clue. They are so off the ball. <laughs> um, but this is the thing. he's been. It, Samurai Cop wasn't his first... Uh, it wasn't his first sort of movie. He's he, he's been doing it for a while now. The last movie he ever made actually was Samurai Cop. All oh, right, which is a shame, really. I, th- I think it kind of just. I think he just. I, I'm not sure whether he thought he peaked or whether if I, or, or whether the bubble finally burst. But do you want me to give you the names of all the other ones? Some of these are corkers. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, Hollywood Cop. 
was the uh, was the one from 1987. Okay. He then did a movie called Young Rebels. He then made, did a one just called Gypsy. And then this is my favourite one, okay? And this demonstrates how much this Iranian director has just wanted to make an American movie, right? Killing American style. <laughs> That's amazing. What a title. <laughs> Apologize. Or I'll blow your head off. A lot more people are going to get killed. Freeze, Lynch. Police, you're under arrest. It's like, not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to kill you like an American does. With a shotgun. With, with a whole bunch of shit, actually. <laughs> um, so basically, with this director, he uh, he studied theatre in uh, in California. And then when he returned home to his own country, he made a whole bunch of, of movies. And they were more considered to be more dramas, more stuff like that. But he, but he, because in Iran, in that, kind of t- in that kind of time period, in the 60s and 70s, he couldn't really get away with the budget or the feeling to do an action movie. So he moved back to America and decided to make action movies. All of them cheap, all of them absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, but Samurai Cop being the ultimate mixture of what this man was really trying to pull off. And also the sheer amount of gull he had. <laughs> but he was, to be honest, he actually got quite... some. He got quite a few people in this movie. And... Some of them have some notoriety. Mm. So let's talk about the big guy first. Literally the big guy. He's the biggest guy in the whole on set. He's huge. Mm. Especially that chin. Uh, <laughs> Robert Zadar. Yeah, I love Robert Zadar. And he's he's good. He's a good bad guy in this. He's great. Yeah, he's actually taking it so seriously, in spite the fact that what he's given is garbage yeah and you can tell he's probably the best actor isn't he do you think by a thousand percent yeah because he's acted before Mm. now i know robert zadar originally from maniac cop because he is the maniac cop Mm. have you okay so have you ever seen the original poster for samurai cop I have, yeah, and it it looks like Maniac Cop. Exactly. It's, and obviously they're going on the fact they've got Robert's Dar involved and people, oh, Maniac Cop, is this like that? And they're going to watch it because of that, just to get the, the bums on seats kind of thing. Yes! <laughs> and it's so bizarre because, for, just describe what it is for people, obviously people listening, um, you've got a guy who's clearly in, in a full cop's outfit uh, you know, hidden down, like you've got shadows over his eyes. It's like horror. It's silhouetted, isn't it? A cop sil- in silhouette. Yes. With a, samur- with a katana. With a, with a katana, which is... Um... What does katana mean? It means Japanese sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> That's a great bit. It's, it, a katana doesn't mean Japanese sword. 
it's, it's it's just so dumb. But yeah, so the original poster had the, had the had the had the sword and had him holding a, a decapitated head. But the the main guy that we follow, um, whose name is uh, Joe Marshall, aka the Samurai Cop, um, is played by Matt Hannon, or his, his normal name as Matthew Caradus, right? Um, and he's never, never in the police outfit. He rarely holds a samurai sword. Apparently, he speaks fluent Japanese. We never see it. <laughs> no, but there's, like, the whole, like, it means Japanese sword thing. That's put in there to, to, know, to, know, to know that he knows Japanese, apparently. Apparently but, like, knows Japanese. It's just an exposition dump, isn't it? A little, little tiny It's not one. even an exposition dump. Just say, like, anyone could say it like that. It's, it's, it doesn't even sound like he knows what it is. Oh, it's a, it's a Japanese sword. Whatever. Ah, oh. but he says it with he's so sincere the way he says it. It's like no, it's exactly what it means. Yeah, it's exactly what it means. And they all like believe it. They're like all like yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You are the authority. You you are nicknamed the samurai. So. I mean, that, that whole thing is like. Do you, do you get the feeling in in bad movies? This is a great example of bad movies because all the other characters just revolve around the main character and react yes. to the main character. It's almost like if they. If that main character vanished and like went out of the room, they would just sit there not knowing what to do because that character's not there to react to or like that's kind of true it's almost as if like uh, all the other side characters don't have any autonomy of their own no like they that they ha- they have to either rely on the lead actor to do something or the lead actor to do something stupid to do something a bit like in an old video game when like npcs just kind of like wait there for you to talk to them or like they just kind of maybe do one simple repetitive task r- looping until you interact with them over and <laughs> over again uh, Matthew Kaderis uh, do you know what his job was before doing this no he was Sylvester Stallone's bodyguard right which explains his chiselled abs and this director's obsession with showing it off yeah well he just likes showing any flesh off doesn't he like okay just, just before we get into it is there? Did you notice that there was a lot of men in underwear in this entire movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, All men and women. Everyone's in underwear. Anyone that had a like, well, I was going to say anyone that had a physique, but that's not necessarily true. Nah, <laughs> there's, even, there's a character in because there. Because even the the guy the guy I see uh, in seen in lots of movies, like lot in extra in lots of movies. <laughs> yeah, he's in Big Trouble in Little China, one of my favourite movies. The, yeah, yeah. The um, guy that butts with the long beard. Oh, Kimura. And you see him in his in his underwear, like it's just one moment, don't you? It's so weird. That's the thing. I think <laughs> about. Like, it. He's kissing that girl. It's like you're gonna you're gonna satisfy me. <laughs> Say something like that. <laughs> so awkward. But this makes it more interesting because at the end of it, you have Matt. You have Matt Hannon. Uh, you have Robert Dazar, you have uh, you have Gerald Oka, uh, Okamura. So you got some kind, even if it's just in B movie dom. Yeah, familiar faces, familiar faces, yeah. right? And uh, Melissa Moore as Peggy, who eventually has starred in quite a lot of B movies as well, and she was known for like sorority girls and stuff like that. So it's a good cast of B movie actors mm. in something that looks. Oh my god. Uh just to very briefly I'll go for, I'll go through the plot. Uh okay, so <clears throat> Do you want some music? Yeah. Shall we put on the theme song for Samurai Cup? It doesn't sound like a theme song. 
it sounds like something you get like a. It sounds like a video game music. Yeah. It sounds like something like just to fill in the gap in between. <laughs> this is so. Go so, for broke. Great. <laughs> so much action. Action. Um, okay. <laughs> right, so. <clears throat> Joe Marshall and Frank Washington, who personally is one of my favorite characters in the thing, right? are two tenacious police detectives who seek at all costs to stop the Katana Gang, a renegade Yakuza gang composed of violent and sadistic killers who want to lead the drug trade in Los Angeles. Right? It also mentions that Joe Marshall is apparently... He came from, he came from, uh, he came from San Francisco because he had experience with the Yakuza gang. Yeah. And just, he seemed to, to take him down, so he's going to try and attempt it here. But obviously, he's getting in the way. He's doing things wrongly. People are dying, man. And so, and so everything, including the police chief, is on his back. They are not ready to take down the samurai cop. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's the plot. So realistically, thinking about it, the plot isn't important. No. Because even if we go into too much detail with the plot, there isn't much. It's just a whole bunch of segments filling in that two cops are trying to take down the Yakuza. It feels like the the directors thought about sequences first. Like, I want this, I want like some sex scenes, I want some action scenes. Yeah. And how do I string all those together? Rather than thinking of the narrative first, the thought of the action and the sort of set pieces and things like that. It's just like, how do I string these together? Definitely, it's a, it kind of it does feel like it's been literally almost sewn on mm. because there are so many random scenes in this scenes yeah. that never come back. Um, I'm looking at you because I know you. You're going to have a couple of soundboard clips for the following. Oh, I've got plenty. Do you have the gay waiter? Yes. <laughs> Who's that blonde girl? Oh, her name is Jennifer. She's the boss. The boss? You mean she owns this place? Her mother owns the place. She's a cartoon. What is this voice? Killed? Who shot him? He. He. Who? Him. Who's him? Himself. Oh, he committed suicide. Yes. (laughs) No one's as perky for suicide. When you see Jennifer alone, tell her, tell her I think she's very lovely. Oh, he's such a slut, isn't he? He's Tell such her. a bad hoe. I'll try to see her soon. Good. I'll help you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I like cops. What's your name? My cousin's a cop. <laughs> it's so oh, really? Where? Where? In Costa Rica. Oh. Good. What's Completely your name? Completely useless secrets. I'm El Federico Sebastian. This is my first name. <laughs> Uh, what's your last name? Oh, uh, that's all right. We just that's need enough. your first no, name. No, we don't need to know his name. Bye-bye. 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 my cousin. I know you. Joe's comment. Why didn't you let me hear his last name? Oh, come on, man. His last name would have made a book. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a thing, right? Um, yeah. You heard the entire sequence. This waiter shows up in one of the sequences says a bizarre backstory that makes no sense and then just leaves for a joke that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, I, th- I think this is just the director. The director has got a really, like, poor sense of humour, like, like, almost like a child. Yeah. And he wanted some scenes in just for humour and his own personal, like, humour and just thinking, oh, this will be funny, so I'll put this yeah. in. 
Mm. There's lots of bits that are like just bad jokes that really painfully, like almost like cracker jokes. They're just put in there <laughs> and they're like, they, they, they don't need to be there. It's not even that. It's not even that they're bad cracker jokes. They're also jokes that are very immature, but they're so immature you burst out in laughter. I've seen you got something here. I have this. Why did you come under? I'm an undercover cop. Da, 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 da. <laughs> It's it's it, like Frank, like the the black partner. Frank he, Washington. Um, Frank he's Washington. He's got loads of like crap, like jokey kind of comments, doesn't he? But can I just say he's my favourite character? He is. He's brilliant. He's the best guy. Because he does. He comes up with all the best lines. I mean, he comes up with all the best jokes, all the best lines, all the best gags, all the recurring jokes come from this guy. Wow, gold. He's just got so many things that make me burst out laughing. This is another one. Who the hell are you? Hey, what do you want? Hang on, information. What kind of information? What information about my butt? Sit down. <laughs> information about my butt? It's round, it's perky, it's perfect. <laughs> that really made me laugh the first time I heard that. Like, oh. uh, this movie has a lot of reshoots, and I can sort of explain. The uh, I can sort of explain the reshoot, but first of all, I want you just to play my, one of my favourite scenes, another useless scene as well. It's the uh, it's the hitting on the doctor scene. Oh, it's cringe, really cringe. Play it. Do you like what you see? I love what I see. Yeah. Would you like to touch what you see? Is that these serious yes. questions? This yes, comes I out would. of nowhere, by the way. Would you like to go out with me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I would. Would you like to fuck me? <laughs> Bingo. Yay! <laughs> now... It continues. I've got four clips from this section. It's ridiculous how long it goes. Yeah. Um, it's another useless scene with the, with the Doctor. Now... <laughs> the movie was originally shot in just literally... At the very beginning, it was originally shot in a couple of weeks. It's over a couple of weeks and then extended over several months, okay? So that's the first batch. Starting in June 1990, there is a very famous example of how you can tell the reshoots were. Mm. There's actually many reasons. One, um, they use different stock. Yeah, I've, I've heard about this. And you can... T- it almost... In this day and age, it would be seen as, like, bad white balancing, like, where they, the mm. colouring is completely off, like, and you can't do anything about it because it's the, the base of the colouring, like, the white is balanced wrong. Yeah. But with fil- real film, is if you've used daylight or, or nighttime stock or something yeah. like that and you've got it wrong... So, yeah, you, yeah, you, have, you have three different kinds of stock. Mm. You have daylight, outdoor daylight, a nighttime day... Uh, nighttime outdoor shot yeah. and you have interior mm. so you have three different stock so therefore it, it allows how much light yeah. comes into stock i don't think he understood what that was because no, he just film okay. so randomly within the same scene it's suddenly very blue or suddenly very pink <laughs> you're just thinking wow yeah you're jumping back and forth and it's really it's it's the only thing in the movie for me that's really jarring like it, 
does totally take me out of the movie. Oh yeah, because it's like literally orange, or and then it goes back to being like white again, like like the walls. You can see it in the walls, the walls. <laughs> like I was saying again, it's like it's like white balancing of of the digital. In you know, you'd have like a white wall, and then mm. all of a sudden it'd be an orange wall. Like <laughs> so funny, but it it demonstrates all the reshoots. Okay? Yeah. Now. This leads to the second bit that makes it very obvious as a reshoot, and it's one of my favourite things. There's a wig. Yes, the wig is amazing. And it, I think this is a one wig or two wigs, because some of them look slightly different, but they're all very, very feminine. So here we go. Let me. I, I've, got, I've got a fact about this. So, OK. Uh, so seven months after the shoot was done, he believed filming was finished. So he cut his long hair he originally had short. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't expected to come back on the shoot, so he was done, right? However, while he was looking for more acting work, the director called him back into his office to do some reshoots. Okay. Now, he was... Now, the director was furious. <laughs> furious that he had the audacity to cut his hair, all right? So they immediately tried to look around for a, for, for a wig, Right. Now, what what Matt generally thought originally that the wig was going to be for wide shots, they wouldn't do close-ups with it. Yeah. So he stupidly agreed to put on this woman's wig. Might get away with it. Yeah. You might be sneaky. No, he uses it for power. Literally, about forty percent of the movie needed reshooting. Very close-ups. I notice in some scenes they try and hide it by putting a cap on it, but you can still see it's like bursting <laughs> it's, out of the cap. It's even funnier with the cap on because it bulges out. Yeah. Okay. But what's great is sometimes he's obviously thought, "Oh, I need some extra shots within this sequence," so it'll be an action sequence. And you'll suddenly cut to a close-up and he's in the wig in the close-up. <laughs> I know! It's so good! It's amazing. Oh, the wig is probably... The, the wig is its own character. Like, yeah. it's its own character. Okay. Another thing as well, third reason why you can tell there were reshoots, um, is because of the locations. Now, there's some... Lo- there's they, Honestly, they've got some really nice locations for some of the bits, mm. Right. Although I'm very confused by some places. Like, isn't there... Is one of the gang members' houses... It has, like... It has, like, a Defender arcade cabinet in the corner for no flipping reason. Or or there's or there's an office that has a, a papier-mâché lion's head? Oh, don't get me started on the lion. The lion is the, the scene... St- real scene stealer. It's like, the way the shot is framed, it's like he's in the conversation as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scene in an office, which we'll talk to about in a moment when we mention the other characters. But it's so weird. Who would have this? No, it's, it's so distracting. This is, a, like, the worst, like, production design ever. I think the thing is, I don't think there's any production design. I think it's like they went into a house and everything was there. They just kept it as it was, like... Yeah, but this is the thing. There are loads of reaction shots throughout this film. Yeah. And loads of, like, close-up, mid-close-up shots of people looking directly down the camera. It looks really off, right? Best ones are from Frank. Y- yeah. Yeah, which is what I'm talking about. During that sexy nurse sequence... That's certainly like Doctor Sequence. He's pulling off some amazing facial expressions of just going, ooh. <laughs> it's so bizarre and makes no sense why he's cut there. The reason why that was the case 
is because the director just wanted wanted just shot actually shot about twenty minutes of him reacting to stuff. Yeah. So he can just cut to it whenever he needed to. <laughs> with like a white wall background kind of Yes. Thing. With no context to what he's reacting. So his sort of reactions going like whatever, like moving his head, rolling his eyes and all that kind of stuff and just go his, his puckered lips are my favourite one. Like, Ooh wee kind of like. Right? No context. So it, it, it it's so they weren't, it wouldn't like fed lines and say react to it. He just said no, no. You're, just, you're going to react for twenty minutes, and we're going to use it throughout the movie. Yeah, I can imagine him not even directing him, just saying do a bunch of reactions. Like, oh, but then here's the thing: the pickups, all the reshoots and the pickups happened several months later, and they were all shot in the director's house. Right. And it makes perfect sense when suddenly you look you, you looks like you're clearly in a restaurant and then you look back and the cut reaction looks like in someone's house with a painting and a doorway that looks like you're in an office. Mm, so the geography is so confusing. It's like where is where is that guy? That guy's not here. He's not even in this room. Like... He's he is he's from he's in another plane somewhere. <laughs> and we don't know what's happening. Popular pie plant pictured here. Okay, Joe. Keep it up. Oh, it's up and ready. Uh, you just keep it warm. It's warm and ready. Okay, now can I just say two things about that? <laughs> that is horrible. That's gross. But okay, first, Joe is a total womanizer. Yeah. A thousand percent. In fact, throughout the entire movie, he's hitting on other women. But it's not just Joe. Like Peggy. Yeah. Peggy's such a hoe. So such an obvious hoe. Like, okay. The, he hits on every every man. There must be several clips of Peggy just literally hitting on every man in, in the room. Yeah, she, she is horrible. She says stuff like this. Hey, preacher. Yeah? You and I got nothing to do. Let's fuck. <laughs> shut up. And he just goes, shut up. Shut up, you hoe. You're always banging everybody. Right. It's horrible. The people are horrible. Especially, I mean, it's mainly just those two, isn't it? Peggy and Joe. Uh, yeah, but then you also have, like, the Doctor and you have a few other people in between. But Peggy and Joe are the worst. In terms of the, 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 the larger characters, because there are minor characters, like the nurse is, is horrible yeah. and flirty. Like, it's, but it's like porn dialogue, that is. But anyway... Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's the whole thing. It's a, it almost feels like porn with, with, with the amount of sex scenes that are involved in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of sex scenes that feel really forced in, I'd argue. Ugh, yeah, I... with, and they're just like this. <laughs> it's just hard, the worst music ever as well. It's so softcore porn, isn't it? The whole thing feels like softcore porn. Here, you know, here's a bit. Okay, so let, let's go through bit by bit. And this is the, this is, the, is this from the first sex scene? It is. This is sex music one. Sex music <laughs> number one, people. <laughs> there are about five sex scenes in this movie. The movie's only like an hour and a half, and there's yeah. five sex scenes in it. And they are really cringy because you can obviously tell like the director just perving on it. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, if it was porn, porn, you know that the actors are, know what it's all it's about having sex, and it's kind of like they're all the. But you don't. You, you basically the the in actors in a normal movie. Yeah. You don't know how how sexy it's going to get because it's not meant to be a porno movie. Yeah. So it's like it's obvious the director's going, oh yeah, do this. 
just do that. Oh, I'm gonna have a close up on your tits for ages, and I stroke it, kiss it, kiss it's horrible. it, it's kiss really it. Curvy. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, and okay, this okay. So we'll, we'll there's a build up to this sex scene, and I want to talk about first of all. Let's go right into the plot itself and go right to the very first scene. Yeah. So, so you got the very very first sequence, right? Uh, where the, we're going to talk about the very first sequence where we're first introduced to our hero cops, right? So we're introduced to our hero cops, we're introduced to Frank and Joe. He comes out in a wig and a funny hat. And uh, and then and, and they're chasing him down with Peggy on helicopter. Yeah. Now, Peggy on helicopter's brilliant. They clearly sh- they cle- It clearly shows that they didn't have uh, the budget to properly keep Peggy in a helicopter. No. Because all the close-ups of... Are clearly of are clearly of her on a landed helicopter, not moving. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Reacting to stuff like, like you like like she's above the ground, and it's so funny because he's like just moving ahead a bit, going like, I think it's happening over there, buddy. <laughs> so funny, and so there they are in the helicopter, and they're chasing down these drug lords and that kind of thing, and starting on, which eventually leads to like a big big chase, and the chase is in too bad there's yeah. worse car chases out there it's got music this is the drug bus music it's so good similar to the opening theme actually <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vibe that the music was also half assed as well yeah. just like the rest of the goddamn movie um, yeah, they're basically just like they. He's, he's heard about this whole cocaine bus going on hasn't he Joe yeah and the thing is, he, he's just, like, transferred here, hasn't he? And he's, like, he just seems to know exactly everything that's going on in this town all of a sudden. Everything, <laughs> right? He, he, he seems to already be shoved into it, not knowing that he... We didn't know properly that he's a transfer one, although he kind of does, because at the very beginning, the scene before that, we're introduced to the Akuza gang, the Katana gang. Yeah. And they already mentioned that they already brought a superhero cop. And then yeah. suddenly we're right into it, him doing a drug bust, for something that has absolutely nothing to do with the Yakuza. Yeah. And that, to me, just just screams, okay, we need an action sequence right now. Yeah. Okay, so the they're doing the drug scene. It's, it's, very, it's very ham-fisted with the whole, like, transfer the suitcase from one boat to the other and all that kind of shit and everything else. And, the, and, and just them just mocking each other and making phone calls and shit until the car chase happens, mm. which is... Okay. What do you th- what do you Okay, so what do you think of the car chase? Uh it, I don't know. It was like it was very very sort of like badly edited. Mm. And it was just I I I, didn't, I haven't really got an opinion on it because it was so shit. <laughs> no, but you know, the thing is I actually found it genius because uh half t- some of the times the footage was sped up and you can clearly see. Oh definitely, yeah. It's that is the old, the old really old fashioned technique that shouldn't be used anymore. It's very Benny Hill. Yeah. Um there's also a moment where 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 Frank Washington is outside is trying to shoot from outside the car. And you can tell the car wasn't moving for his shots because the clouds aren't moving. Oh yeah. The clouds just there, <laughs> just yeah. hovering above him. And you can think like if you're driving fast you would see, like, loads of things going past his head, but it doesn't. Uh, did you remember in that sequence as well that Joe is just constantly shouting... Shoot! Shoot him! Shoot him, damn it! <laughs> Shoot him! You got it! Yeah, I got the best. Yeah, you got the son of a bitch. 
right? I just love the really basic dialogue that's put in there sometimes, like, shoot, and it's repeated so many times. It's yeah. Like, it's not, you know, you, there's no mixing up of the, like, certain things. He's just like, shoot, shoot. <laughs> so good. But then... Due to like his fancy shooting and hitting the car just right after going through like a bit of a long chase, he hits it and then the van explodes, causing a guy to be on fire. On fire. And it's like they try and. Yeah. Oh my god, he's burning! He's burning! Do something! And he's burning! So I again, this is like repeating the same line over and over. He's on fire, man. He's on fire. <laughs> okay. And the funny thing about that is, it's clearly a completely different person on fire, yeah. covered in fireproof gel, to the point that by the end of this thing, where uh, clearly the actors were supposed to be doing this faster to I take know, him out. it looks out. like he's actually on fire by the end of it. By like. the end of it, it's like saying, for God's sake, I nearly fucking burned my face off. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like I mentioned, now we're suddenly then introduced to the Katana gang. Yes. With Robert Zadar. I think Robert Zadar totally owns this movie. And not only does it totally own this movie, he has, I think, one of my favourite sequences in the whole movie. So, so at this point, the burn victim is now being taken away for questioning. All right? So he's taken away for questioning. But clearly, he has been on fire and lost the ability to speak because his lips are burnt off. Mm. Right? <laughs> so- have, before we get to that bit, I have got a clip of... Because the boss... Yes. Gives uh, an order to Robert Desar's character. <laughs> yes. To uh, go and kill this guy. Exactly. And, uh, well, first you get a little bit of an introduction of him, which is... So they call him Samurai, huh? Yes. Another guy called call Samurai. Yeah. His real name is Joe Marshall. Yeah. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. This is the back He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. Masters of Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. To fight us? To fight me? To destroy my operation, to kill you and my other men, to put handcuffs on me and put me in the gas chamber. Jesus. <laughs> but this is, that, that's before he gives the order to go and get the other guy. Yeah. And, like, he just, he just keeps samurai. giving... If he's a samurai, what the hell are you? I'll get to know him, and then we'll see who the real samurai is. So you know where our man is? Yes, boss. I know the hospital and the room. And he's burned bad. Real bad. Real bad. He won't be able to talk. I want him dead. (laughs) I want his head cut off and brought here. I want his head on this piano so that every man in my organization understands once more that no katana gets captured alive or talks. That's going to ruin the piano. Head on the piano. I love that line. That's going to ruin the piano. But the the reason why I played that bit is kind of a confusing sort of section because he's talking about, he's got that exposition dump of Joe telling who Joe is, but then he's talking about getting getting the guy in the hospital straight away immediately. Yeah. Like he's talking, but still talking talking about joe like because it's he, so confusing you know where our guy is like oh he, i was thinking joe and no he doesn't mean joe at that point he means the guy in the hospital <laughs> it also be 
<laughs> but it's so blended together, isn't it? Like it also kind of means as well. Like the director in that speech alone, it clearly shows that the director didn't really have like any idea or what a samurai really does or what it is because he's trying. He's talking like he's talking about the masters in Japan, and he's talking about he's he's, he's very vague with why Joe Marshall is somehow suddenly the samurai cop. Yeah. Other than he speaks a he speaks fluent Japanese, which we never see in the movie and anything else. Mm. You know. So this you almost is... needed like the director to be Japanese and, and to know understand the culture a little bit to like but no. Look, but this you have first of all, you got an Iranian man who barely doesn't barely doesn't seem to understand the concept of what America is. <laughs> no anything that he's talking about. Let alone try to have him understand a Yakuza. <laughs> It's a it's a totally different kettle of fish. The Katana Gang. So they so now Robert Azar has his orders, and then he's now going to go to the hospital, that hospital where our burn victim is going to be. Yeah. So he has been put on watch. He's got coppers coming around to keep an eye on them, and so on and so forth. And they're just about ready to like you know just keep an eye on him. I know which bit you're going to talk about. Yeah. So. <laughs> When this happens, okay, first of all, you've got a security guard who just seems to be randomly distracted by wanting to constantly hit on the receptionist, by the way. Yeah, and he's the the worst actor. He's like, okay, I'll just stay here then, that kind of thing. And then this red, this redhead bombshell. Now, she's hot. Now, she's hot, I'm going to admit, right? She's hot. She comes in in what clearly seems to be, like, laundry or some kind of, like, bed linens or something. (laughs) Like, like she's holding, she's pushing around a laundry basket. Yeah, it's a massive cart, like really huge. Yeah, like, and like, yeah, you just, just you you continue. Yeah, and so she's pushing this kind of laundry basket, and obviously the security guard goes over and says like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And she says, "I'm here to change the linens." What's wrong with that? No, she says, I'm here to change the trash. Which is even weirder because so you're holding a, a linen basket. She's got a big bin. <laughs> just a big bin. So stupid. Right? So when so the guy goes, okay, but be quick, right? <laughs> goes in. And this is the moment where I fell in love with Robert Sadar because multiple layers is about to occur. So she just, this red bombshell moves this bin, linen basket, whatever it is, into the room, closes the door, re- removes a blanket. And reveals that Robert Zadar, a huge man, by the way. Was in the bin. (laughs) Dresses a doctor, by the way. Which is more questions. Holding a katana and and, and dressing a doctor. Comes out of the linen basket. (laughs) And just, and you can see he's even struggling to step out. He's like getting a bit, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) How did he fit in there? It is crazy. while to get out of it so it took him must have been forever to get him in there must have been properly like wrapped so he gets out and then just grabs the guy's head the the bird victim's head and just slices off his head yeah with no screaming there's there's a really like sort of uh there's a there's a process after that it's like he he see he cuts the he cuts the throat yeah and then he hands the katana to the bombshell. Yeah. She wipes off the blood. And yeah. it's all very, like, clinical, isn't it? Like It's very... It's it, this is You think, like, your first, the first time you're going to have a proper katana death, you thought it'd be, like, gruesome. And it is kind of gruesome, but it's very, like, a doctor would be. 
<laughs> and I guess they're doing it that way because it's it's like stealth, isn't it? It's like they're sneaky. It, it's being sneaky, being quiet, right? So sneaky, yeah, getting, yeah. It's getting quiet. in bins. It's true. and it's a funny thing, right? So the so the sword gets wiped. Okay, the head goes into a separate bin covered with a blanket and then Robert Star goes back into the linen basket get, it, get back in the bin get back in the bin get back in the bin and then and it gets dragged out yeah and then literally like a second or so later the uh, the yeah. copper finds the head the yeah, well, they, finds they, the headless yeah. body they sneak out with this music it's so perfectly cheesy it's so cheap as well so just as he's being sneaky about Right, the security guard finally notices. Yeah, and there's another repeating of lines yeah. in that section. Because, like, they, you get some guy doing this. Hey, wait a minute. I want to talk to you. Ah! Oh! <laughs> All right. hey, wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Ah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's like the same... I'm sure it's the same line repeated. It's not, like, said again. Like it... I have a fact... Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so... The movie was done wild, which means it was recorded originally with absolutely no sound whatsoever. So it was not recorded with sound on set at all, right? Some of the bigger actors were able to come in, but all the side characters, all the smaller parts, other than a couple of people, really, a lot of the bit actors didn't come back, obviously. So the director did it. Every single one. Right. Which is why all the thugs all sound the same. And it's also the reason why it sounds very heavily robotic, because the guy didn't actually know how to do ADR properly in the first place. So a lot of the dialogue sounds very tinny and woody because he didn't sh- he didn't record it in a booth. They did it in his bloody bathroom. Yeah. There's some of my favourite, like... Dialogue bits are from those extras, though. You got, do you remember, like, there's that bit where there's like uh, Joe and this, this extra guy in like a dark room or something? Yes, the editor. Does <laughs> this guy talks like this? Who could shoot this in a mafia boss's house? One of his own men. <laughs> and like, and then like this. Are you expecting anybody? No. Okay, that's, that's a warning bell. Okay, that, oddly enough, that was done by the actor who played Frank Washington. He was just forced to say, like, just do the lines of this guy. <laughs> okay. Now, let me explain. Frank Washington, uh, Matt, uh, Mark Fraser, is a black guy. This editor guy is an old white guy. <laughs> it sounds so weird having that voice coming out of this. And again, that, that scene was a reshoot that... Made no sense because I don't know why the hell he was in a red room for no fucking reason. Well, that, that's why I assumed it was a dark room. I think it was just a bad stock again. It was like bright, like reddy orange that room was. I don't understand why he was even there in the first place. What What was he looking out for? There was no photos anywhere. It's... Are you expecting anyone? I'm the honey monster. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, so a lot of people, including like Matt and Zadar and everyone else, were starting to get a little frustrated uh, about the dialogue in the movie, right? And was, uh, yeah, well, of course he was, right? And he was starting to get more frustrated of the lack of multiple things because the majority of this movie were all shot on single takes. Mm. Okay, so someone, so someone would, someone record the lines, or, or you know, he, he filmed it, and then that was it. Yeah, right. There was no extra takes for most of them. So Matt. Um, Matt admitted that intentionally he would sometimes try to ruin takes so he can actually get a second better take. But the director kept it in. Kept it in. And also, there's some great scenes where the actors are expecting him to cut and he doesn't cut and he just and so they keep going. And they, but it's awkward because it like they don't really know what to do after that point. Where they're supposed to stop, but he just <laughs> keeps doesn't say cut. Okay, the, the, I think I know which scene you're talking about. So after, so it's actually after all this. So the head's been chopped off and put away. Robert dies, beat up a couple of people and half the cops and everything else. And there's a bit of a battle between the coppers and everyone else, right? Yes. Then they meet the police chief. Yeah, he is fantastic. Yeah. The- and yeah, it's 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 this. Everything you did was wrong. You're the one that talked me into bringing this moron from San Diego to fight the uh, Japanese Katana gang. You know what the results are? A man in our custody lost his head. An officer lost his hand. And there are three police officers in the hospital right now. God damn you guys. All you've done is cost me bloodshed and mayhem. Mayhem. Misery, my future. This man has been here one week and I almost lost my job. If he's here one more week, I might well end up in jail and die of a heart attack, and I don't like that. Hey, I've been here one week. <laughs> and just how long will it take you to bring him to their knees? One week? One month? Next year? At what cost and how many lives? I love it. <laughs> at what cost and how many lives? <laughs> at, at the end of this sequence, it's kind of brilliant. He's, he, he, says my fa- he says one of my favorite lines in the movie. And because of you, I'm about to be fired. I'm going to lose my pension. That means my future's gone. But you know something? I don't give a fuck. He doesn't. There's only one thing in this world I want. I want you to find that motherfucking Japanese gangster. I want you to kill him, and I want you to kill every one of his men. I want you to turn his house into a bloodbath. Don't leave anybody alive. Fantastic! That is one of them. And all three of us will turn our badges in. Say goodbye to Joe's reaction. Beat up this police force for good. Now you're talking. <laughs> that isn't the bit you mentioned, but that is another golden bit by the captain. The captain is great because the captain only appears in probably like three sequences in the whole movie. He's yeah. not in it a lot, but when he is, it's golden. 
in the first sequence, first time he meets him, he's doing that first part, right? And this is the bit where you're saying, like, some people seem to have no idea what they're supposed to do in that take, right? So at one point, this is so weird. He's First of all, he, he's, li- he's lying into his chair. He's looking, like, fed up and tired. He's like, get out of here, boys. You're doing the worst thing ever. And he says the best line in the movie for me. I feel like somebody stuck a big club up my ass, and it hurts. I've got to figure out a way to get it out of there. And then for so for no reason, Frank Washington just kisses him on the forehead, and then and then him and Joe just go hee 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 and run off and run out. Yeah, it seems like uh, Frank and Joe, or the actors themselves, yeah. in that bit are just pratting about, <laughs> yeah. trying to ruin the take, like you mentioned. Yes, and yet it doesn't cut. And then the captain is pointing, waiting for the cut. There's no cut. Yeah. So he just gets back in his chair and smiles. Like... And that's the weird thing. that Because because he kept that, it changes the dynamic completely. <laughs> it's no longer like police chief is pissed off at them. Because he he's gone from being very, very angry to, oh, you guys. Oh, you're, oh you rebels. Look at you. You lovable rogues. <laughs> but it is absolutely amazing. It is so funny. Are you Fuji, Fujiyama? Yes, I am. Who are you? I'm a cop. Yeah! <laughs> In that case, you'll talk to me. I am Mr. Fujiyama's attorney. What do you want? How did Fujiyama have You're the infamous boss of this shit katana gang, huh? Shit gang. Shit gang. It's amazing, but then obviously that leads on to a, a really great monologue. It's a, it's the best, it's it's the best speech. It's yeah. so good. He's so passionate and so, and the lines are so balmy. Now I'm telling these son of a bitches yes. that we respect the Japanese of this country, yeah. who are honest businessmen. Honest. And yeah, this is the land of opportunity for legitimate business. Legitimate. Not for death merchants. We distribute drugs to our children through schools and on the streets. Fuck children, wow. <laughs> now I'm telling these motherfuckers <laughs> you that if they continue killing our children yeah. to make their precious millions that they deposit in their secret Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> what? Counselor, before your lawsuit even gets off the court clerk's desk, I'll have their stinking bodies in garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it? And you too. All right, so... <laughs> that is amazing. That is like... He doesn't really know anything about crime of what, what he's seen in movies. Yeah. And he just kind of, like, throws it in there. Like, so generalising about cr- criminals, isn't it's it? It's general crime. And he said, like, oh, you and your, and your shit. And I don't like it. And I love it. We are then suddenly then introduced to Jennifer. Yes. Now, Jennifer is... The owner of the restaurant with the gay waiter in it. Yeah. And Joe, at one point, when he meets her, he says, like, what are you doing with a geek like this? I know! What a racist thing to say, because he's supposed to be hanging out with Fujiyama. <laughs> and you're thinking, like, oh, my God, are you just saying, like, what... What? He actually doesn't say, what is a nice American girl doing with a geek like this? Are you thinking, you racist... Fujiyama might be amazing in bed. There's you have no idea. There's plenty of racism in this film. Huge. Oh, yeah. there's loads of really bizarre black jokes. Yeah, I like this. Who's going to answer to Captain Roma on this? You. 
Shit, man. You burn my ass. You don't have to worry about that. It's already, uh... Yeah, 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 I know. It's already black, huh? <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's already black. Uh, he's like, he's, he's, he's... To my this point, he's so used to it. Like, I, I, as the character, he's like, everyone doing the black joke. Let me just keep the black jokes. I'll get it. This is... You're not the first one to say my ass is black. <laughs> It's amazing. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of racism in this, but not like terrible racism. It's like that kind of weird, bizarre, subtle racism, or making a racist joke every so often that makes it weird. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, I was going to say it's kind of of the time, but it's more it's it's more sort of it's, like seventies humor than nineties. I like think that. I think it's more him. Yeah. I think it's just mostly the director who likes his very immature humor. Yeah. By this point, then, afterwards, they end up going to meet up uh, Okamura, and they're going to go and invade his home. Yeah. And this is where we get Okamura's sex scene, which is very forced and awkward. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's like what I was saying earlier. It's it's like, you want to, you're going to satisfy me. (laughs) Yeah. And you think, like, dude, no, please. It's not because he's unattractive or anything. It's mostly because the way he's, the way he's presented... There he is in his tidy black, like tiny, tiny briefs. Yeah, hairy chest. Hairy chest, tidy briefs. Like the worst possible combination of things. The director just loves people in underwear. Really, he really it. does because he it, it happened several times, right? So he goes there. Um, yeah, they, they burst in, and Joe says this. Is that him? I guess so. Looks like this is his last fuck. <laughs> Basically, never interrupt a sex scene. Ever. And the funny thing is, he doesn't interrupt it properly. Because you think, like, in a cool, badass way, he'd, like, kick down the door or kick, down, or kick through the window or something. But you see him and he just goes, like, freeze! And he's just struggling to open the door. So he's like, oh, God, God damn it. Like, who locks this thing? <laughs> oh, it is amazing. There's, there's too many funny bits to talk about. It's, it's like, they're frequent, aren't they? And then, finally, after qu- after quite a long time in the movie, we finally get some kung fu action. We get some actual karate, yeah. which is kind of the, partly the point of the samurai cop because he knows martial arts, he speaks Japanese, you know, he knows about the Yakuza. It's about time we have him do some martial arts. Mm. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult to show a clip. I wish I was able to show this clip because you can clearly see the reshoots occur in this fight scene. Yes. Because I feel as if in the original shoot, the fight was a lot shorter. Yeah. Mm. Because he wanted to feel like the fight was going to be just quick and simple. Like the samurai cop, Joe Marshall, was able to dominate. He was dominant. And even though he was like put on like in like in a full Nelson and stuff like that, he is easily can take this guy down to show him like he is a super cop. Yeah. But then clearly there were, clearly wasn't enough footage in this movie. So they reshot... The entire fight scene. Yeah. So there's lots of cut-ins, isn't there? Like, they wear close-ups and it got the wig on. Like I was saying earlier with it, it's just like, you back and forth, wig, no wig, no wig, wig, no wig, wig. There's a moment, there's a moment in it where you can clearly see, like, the wig's about to, uh, nearly fallen off. And he's... And, <laughs> and, slipping and, down his face. Slipping down his, he's slipping down his face like this. And you can see, uh, you can see uh, Okamura just trying to put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, oh shit. Um, but here's the thing. That fight scene 
was shot in a completely different place than it was in the original part of the movie, which makes sense to me because they're in this sort of green sort of sandy part, which I'm not sure if it's supposed to be next to the beach or the fact that it's just his garden or something or whatever, right? Yeah, you can't make any sense of the geography in this movie. And then suddenly, once the wig appears, he's in a, he's like in a desert in a totally different place where is he what happened yeah it's brilliant it's and like, then suddenly they're back in the garden <laughs> yeah back and forth with the cuts back and forth they're back in the garden they have okamura they fight he's about to arrest okamura but then okamura gets out of this handcuff for some fucking reason and then gets shot mm. right he gets shot so now he's dead which means it's war it's on now. Oh, shit. His second command's dead? Fuck. Yeah. And so we need now to take down not just Joe, but everyone he's associated with. Kill them with. all. Fuck. Some of it, some of these torture sequences, the next three sequences after it, is just basically all the gang trying to find anyone associated with Joe to find his address. Kill him. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> so, basically, Robert Zadar, Robert Zadar's character, is a fucking sadist. He is a fucking maniac. Yeah, oh, God, when he bursts into um, the guy... Earlier on, we were saying, like, the, the guy where she goes, we've got nothing to do, let's preacher. fuck. Preacher. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes to Preacher's house mm-hmm. and just terrorises him and his wife. And it's just, like, horrible. Tell me where he is or I'll hack her throat out piece by piece. I swear, I don't know where he lives. Who knows? Well, please don't do anything foolish. How about Frank or, or Peggy, the girl cop? You lie. They're pretty you good lie. friends. Maybe they know where he lives. Oh, please don't hurt my wife. Damn you! At this point, his wife he just slit his throat, slit her throat. Slit her throat. It's actually a really just a horrible sequence. It's like it's re- scary. Like, it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Because at one point, because this is Robinson. Robinson is holding her like she her breasts are out as well. So yeah. it makes it even more awkward. And then literally, just as by a sign of things, he's literally telling him all that he knows. Yeah. Because he look, preacher is just a workmate. He's not his best bud. Joe yeah. just been here for a week. And this is why I think. Robert Zadar's great and a great villain because he mm. is so nasty and he's convincing as a nasty guy. Yeah. And that whole... That, the <laughs> scenes where he's, like, interrogating people and, like, torturing them and stuff is is horrible. It's nasty. He's a nasty bastard. The worst one is when he interrogates Peggy. Yes. Yeah. It is gruesome. With the frying pan. Oh, my God. Why? So she's, like, literally just bent over backwards and she's got a top on that's, like, got a, ch- uh, a stomach exposed. Yeah, it? yeah. And, like, he's she was cooking on the hob and, like, frying up something. So he just keeps now and again pouring hot oil on her chest. It is horrendous. <laughs> Obviously, we don't see it, but we see the action, not the actual results. Thank God. Yeah. But, fuck, that is a step too far. Like, I'm not saying, like, yeah, whatever, but this is really showing that Robert Zadar is a bastard. And going back to Preacher, yeah. when he's pleading after... When he's sort of, like, sobbing over his wife, he yeah. sounds like this. Sorry! Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> Robert Zadar like laughing like an idiot. Sorry! <laughs> 
That is preacher acting. He sucks up there. Wow. This, this is his moment. Sally, help me. This is his moment. Because he doesn't have a moment in this movie. He's getting a moment. This is his moment. That's his Oscar moment. This is pure gold. <laughs> Robert Zadar has finally tortured all these people, right? Uh, Frank Washington seemed to have gotten away because he just had fucking goons. Yeah. He's just got beaten up. So he calls uh, Joe, Joe Marshall, who at this time is having a date. He's having a date with Jennifer. Yes. After spending half the time in his office with a weird lion's head. Mm. And then convinces her to meet her after church. And he's very well dressed. Like he's in a full suit and looking good with his ponytail and looking suave, right? He's looking suave. Oh, well, this is the bit where she basically says, How did you know I'd come to your house with you? <laughs> yes. Let's just say I can read eyes. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? I can uh, read eyes. <laughs> I can read that you are thirsty. <laughs> That's what it says to me. To me uh, the reason why I saved that clip is because I thought it was like something a serial killer would say. <laughs> It's really creepy. Like, I can read your eyes because I want to keep them. It, do, you, do you get the impression, you know, in this movie when lots of like crazy shit's happening and like, It, but it seems like he's just prattling about and trying to get with girls and stuff like that when he yeah. should be actually doing police work. I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's half half the time his mind's on, I need to bang a chick. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's awful. Really, really bad. I think the director has seen like... Maybe he's a fan of, like, James Bond or something. But the thing yes. is, James Bond, it's more balanced. Because, yeah, he does sleep with a lot of women, but he also does a lot of, like, cool, other cool stuff. But there's too much of the sex stuff and him trying to flirt with people in in this movie. And less police work. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, should we have a moment of him actually doing some detective work yeah. rather than him just trying to bag all the ladies? <laughs> oh, but... It Again, bringing the porn music in. And then, and then, and then once after the swimming sequence happens, you have Jennifer and uh, Joe, they actually have sex. They actually have sex. They finally bang. But after like a birthday cake, because apparently it's her birthday as well. What an awkward day. What a, what a bad way to spend a birthday. Like you would want to spend it with friends, family. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. So awkward. Happy birthday, dear Jennifer. Jennifer. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. To you. You got everything. Well, you can't have a birthday without a cake. The visual of that scene is amazing because he comes in the full, like, chocolatey cake. Yes. In Speedo. <laughs> Showing off his abs. <laughs> Showing off his abs. And her get her as well, like in a bikini, isn't she? So they're yeah. both in bikinis. He she comes he comes in it, with a giant chocolate cake, saying this half-assed version of happy birthday. And then literally just after just just before you even get a chance to even taste the cake, just grabs her, puts her over the threshold, and then they just start banging. Yeah, and this is a really cringy, like, long sex scene where you see him removing all of her clothes and stuff. And yeah. Like, and it's like, normally, when I was, like, when I was a teenager, like, sex scenes in movies like that, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's great. But, like, as I've got older, I understand, like, filmmaking and stuff like that. I just see it as, like, a pervy director now. And, I like, if it's a porn film, it's okay, like I said earlier, because it's 
the the the, the, the porn actors know what they're in for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all, but there's always a sex scene. But it's always I always think it's more tolerable if it's just one. Yes, yeah. Not five. <laughs> then it gets into port softcore porn territory, doesn't it? It's pretty close to softcore porn. I'm very convinced, like. If 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 the director had his way, it would be more more like softcore porn. Ah, so by that point, like fuck, he gets out of the house. There's, there's people on the way. He shoots loads of people down. He's getting things sorted, right? And then he's about to go. Say like, fuck, I'm just gonna go. And, I'm just gonna find this guy. He's gonna go and find Fujiyama and take him down. <laughs> Finally, so he goes to Fujiyama's place and start literally a hilarious, an absolutely hilarious gunfight occurs. Mm. There's a there's a, there's a big chunkier black guy who gets shot. Oh, with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. The guy with a shotgun. What the guy doesn't know how to aim. That's one. <laughs> Two. When he does get shot, he gets shot in one place, but he's holding somewhere else like he's in pain. Yeah. So he and so he's he's so he's elongating his death because he has no idea where he got shot. So he got shot, I think, in the stomach, but he's holding his upper chest like he's got shot in the chest. And it's like, uh and he's falling over a bit, and he's like, uh he's looking around, he looks at the stomach, and goes, Oh now I'm here and yeah. just falls over. <laughs> it's great there. The the gun fights in the movie are great because like the the, the guy the bad guys yeah. they're never like like fighting properly, like they're never like hiding behind cover properly. They're out in the open a lot, mm. and there's bits where like when the 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 redhead gets shot, yeah, she's just out in the open reloading, waiting to get shot. Like she's not hiding. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They just don't. The bad guys just don't know. You think being criminals, mm. they know how to be in a gunfight. <laughs> Frank is actually really good with a gun. Frank is the only character in this movie, I'm generally convinced, who knows how to use a gun. Yes. And everyone else is like, point, point, shoot, point, shoot. Is that how I use gun? Point, shoot. Right. So at that at that point, Fujiyama shows up and actually kidnaps Jennifer at one point. Like he's holding her hostage a little bit. Like he's about to put a gun. Yeah, to it's Joe's weakness now. Joe's weakness because, you know, she, he's uh, he's found a girl. They actually likes, not just not not just to bang, because according to this movie, he bangs a lot of women, but he actually spent a date with this one. He put effort. He put on a suit. He uh, apparently killed a chicken. Yeah, <laughs> remember that bit? He goes, "Yeah, I went. Uh, my neighbor, she's got uh, chickens, you know. So I I jumped over the fence and I." Grabbed a chicken and I killed it myself because you know I wanted to impress you. See, I don't need the soundboard. I'm just giving you the whole thing. You, you quoted that note for note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. We realise he's probably a sociopath as well. <laughs> so yeah. So Fujiyama's got uh, Jennifer, and Frank's got a gun in. Joe's got a gun in, and this is actually a really cool sequence. I actually am quite impressed with the sequence. Yeah. Even in the shoddiness that is this movie, this scene's quite impressive. So, you know, Joe Joe says, "Drop the gun." Joe drops the gun, right, and to- tells the Frank, "Drop the gun, Frank." He drops the gun, and I love that Fujio. Ha 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 ha! Why are you Americans so stupid? <laughs> Basically, and he and he says, and he, so he's about to shoot. Uh, so he shoots Frank in the shoulder. Yeah, and he's about to shoot Joe, and then Frank, like a badass, just sweeps the gun he's dropped because he's just hit on the shoulder, and then shoots Fujiyama several times. It's like that is awesome. Yeah, well done, Frank. Yeah, the only awesome. cool thing in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, then I do like the the next fight. The final fight, yeah. Yes. Joe finally says, Jennifer, and you think at this point the movie's over. Yeah, well, uh, you don't think it's over because you know Zadar's got to get it, don't you? Yeah, you've got to know he's <laughs> got to get it. But you're also thinking, like, well, Jennifer's safe now, so what else are you going to do, right? Mm. You know, you kind of wish that maybe that fight was right at the very, very end of the movie, which would make more sense. Yeah. You know? It's weird because the... Uh, the main boss isn't mm. the main bad guy in this movie, and that doesn't happen. That I mean, that happens sometimes in films, but usually the hench, the, the lead henchman, isn't the main guy. But I suppose because it's Robert Zadar, he has to be the main villain. He's going to have to, <laughs> even though he's the main henchman, really. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's true. Actually, it's because Robert Zadar is more noticeable. He's a bigger, chunkier guy. He's the he's well known. Mm. He's, he's going to be the he's actually the big bad. He is the big bad because Fujiyama does fuck all in this movie <laughs> compared to Robert Zadar, who does fucking torture and and sword fighting and everything else. He's amazing. Now, that- Fujiyama is just like focusing on his Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> exactly, Mundo. After, so basically, after he guns down like everybody, the redhead and the guy with the shotgun and everyone else who can't aim to save their lives, finally, who's left is uh, fucking Yamashida, a.k.a. Robert Zadar. Yeah. Uh, right? Very random fact I have for you, which is one of my favourite things in the movie, just to uh, just to sort of influence that. Even, even the director himself is unafraid and, and unafraid to sort of be uh, a bit meta- Okay, that um, when Robert Zadar turns up before the final battle, he's in a car, right? Yeah. Do you know what the kind of car it was? No. A Suzuki Samurai. <laughs> Thank you! Great. <laughs> like, he purposely just said, like, okay, we, uh, we need something else here. Just put that in. See, that was clever. But it's, <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. So they finally have this fight. And so... Finally, the whole movie, we've been waiting for these two to fight. Yeah, and we, we, they, they were sort of fighting with guns at first, but then, obviously, Zadar... I'm going to call him Zadar, because it's, yeah, yeah. you know, he's, you know who it is then. And it's like, he, all, he at one point challenges him, doesn't he? It's like, that's where the teaser clip came in at the beginning. It's like this. Like, yeah. So they call you Samurai. Yeah. Let's see how good you are with the sword. Samurai Supercop. Yeah. So that, it's that kind of thing, but that, that clip isn't from this but you know you get that uh, that challenge with the sword then yeah so it's like if you and I you and I are going to battle it's, it's not like you and I are just going to have a fight no we're going to battle we're going to do it in the way of the samurai and this is again the only other time really other than the karate fight that we're finally going to see him doing some samurai shit yeah in a movie called Samurai Cop. Yeah, it is weird because, like, there are situations where there's a lot of repeating in this, isn't it? That's why I played that clip for a different situation because it's the same sort of thing. You get, like, a guy who's, like, saying, let's see how good you are with the sword. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So they have this fight with the sword. And one thing I have to say is that Joe Marshall is so intense in this fight. So basically, you know, that... Uh, you can see as he's swinging the sword around, his head is so red. <laughs> he's like a tomato. He's like a lobster. His hands are not, though. But he's I, like, would, I wonder 
wondered whether it was like he that he was red or whether it was just like a film stock problem or something. Whether he actually he's not supposed to be that red. You know? No, I mean? no. I'm actually convinced. A com- I think it's actually a combination of he's so intense that he's you know he's pulsating in his veins and his neck, which can make your head your face really red, and also a combination of sunburn. I think. I think he's got a little. I think he's a little sunburned. <laughs> But when whenever you see like a clip, like like a, an image of Samurai Cop, yeah, online or whatever, like in a thumbnail for a review mm. or like just a poster or something, often it's that red face, uh, Joe with the yeah. samurai sword, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That is the most infamous image. Everywhere you see it, that's the face you see of Joe. Yeah. Okay. So, final fight happens. And it is hilariously epic. Sword fights going back and forth. Samurai katanas, Japanese swords are going ching and chang and fantastic. I'm so Same happy sound effect repeating over and over like a ching ching or a punch and stuff. Exactly. It's the same. It's such stock. But it's surprisingly good. Like, I'm not saying like it's the best sword fight I've ever seen because fuck no, there's better. But it's actually one of the better choreographed fights oh yeah definitely it had to be it's the fast last fight you know it's the last big epic fight but then you know zadar is beaten yeah quite 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 profoundly right and then he goes and says like the bits where he's uh he's about to do the the samurai thing you lost you lost face <laughs> yeah he lost that's face. joe saying you've lost he's lost it <laughs> And so Zadar finally says he wants to go out in the most samurai way possible. You know the code of the Bushida? Kill me. So, yeah. <laughs> so then, like, Frank goes... What, what is he doing? No. Leave him alone. He's a samurai. Yeah, he is. He wants to die with honor. <laughs> oh, it's just just before this, I love this. Because at one point, Joe's, like, very tempted. Like, he's pissed off with him. The music is building and building, like, into a crescendo. Like, uh, Joe has got his sword high above yeah. Robert Zadar. Yeah. About to strike. And Frank is just, no, Joe, you're a cop. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like oh, sh- oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot this was my occupation. I got to do this properly. I'm so overwhelmed by the fact I'm a samurai too. <laughs> He's never shown to be a real samurai in the entire movie, but apparently he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be. Apparently, he understands samurai law. So basically, by this he knows point, what he's, Japanese sword is. He's, sorry, Japanese sword. <laughs> so sorry. So he's a. So basically, Robert Adar does the. Uh, what is the name of that actually? The name what? of the act where you where a man kills himself in honor, it's a Japanese name. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean, but I can't remember. Uh, harakiri. Mm. I think someone along the lines of it's, it's, like, it's basically it's almost like you're gutting yourself. Yeah, so he, yeah. so he gets the samurai sword and guts himself, mm. so he dies in an honorable way, right? And then by that point, that's pretty much where the movie ends. By that point, yeah, it just like closes out with some music like this. Some quite epic tunage, actually. I really like this piece of music, actually. It's kind of like old school. It's like very early 90s R&B. 
was a good like good bit of a uh, cool music at the end there to uh, go over, over the credits. So, now that we've done the whole movie, we've done all the best bits in the movie. We've covered everything. So now we need to do. Thank you. So, the trashometer, for those who are unaware, is how we rate these sort of trashy movies. So, we have five different settings. We have tame, which means it's boring. Tiny bit trashy, where it's it's trashy, but not trashy enough. Trash, which is the, mwah, the sweet spot, the perfect middle. Too trashy, where it's starting to get annoying. And then torture, which is we actually get angry at it. Yes. So... What did you think overall of Samurai Cop? It's got to hit the sweet spot for me. Yeah, it's got to be like in the middle somewhere. It's got because <laughs> it is. It's not. I didn't find any. I didn't find it tame at any point. I didn't find it a little bit trashy. I found it to, to be trashy. Certainly yes. trashy. hundred percent. But it was never too much. It was never torture for me. It was so. It, I mean, it possibly would go a bit, little bit over the middle part, the yeah. middle mark, because it is now and again getting a bit too much. But it's but never it's, too much enough. No, it's that never like sense. it's never like really, really torturous. I think it's never torturous. I think it's because of how you can clearly see that some of the guys were enjoying themselves. Yeah. In some way, you got Robert Zadar, who is like a legend in B movies. Yeah. You have you have bad acting from like several people horrible jokes but they're all done in the sort of like scratching your head moment which makes you laugh you have these sort of random scenes sex scenes humor the wig there's a lot there to enjoy yeah it's it's but it's just it's like accidentally brilliant that's the thing that's why it's enjoyable why it's enjoyable is because it's accidental i think again We've hit. This is the whole purpose of trying to find what this is the ultimate trash film. The ultimate trashy film is a movie that is sincere in its delivery, but is also just a beautiful accident waiting to happen. Definitely, it's and a this big is a mess. perfect example of that. This is why so many people love this movie. Yeah, and it's this just is the per- It's like it's, it goes in the category of like Troll Two and The Room, and this is why I picked it for this anniversary episode. Yeah. It's 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 we've got a longer list going and I have to say this is trash. Definitely. It's got to be like what so 55 60 kind si- of I say I think this is about 60 65%. Yeah, definitely. 65% trash. Well done. Okay. Okay. So, we have now officially done Samurai Cop. I we've been wanting to do Samurai Cop for a while. So Definitely. I was quite excited to be finding the Samurai Cop. So, however, uh, there's quite a few things we want to just mention at the end of the podcast. So at the moment in time, the time that we're recording, we're a few weeks away from doing the Miami Connection screening uh, over at the Derby. We're doing it at the Quad Cinema. Yeah. I am stoked. Yeah, we, we are so excited about this and we're going to... We're going to release some, like, Miami Connection content soon, like um, a trashometer, mm. a little video review, like a ranking the film, and, you know, we can release the pod... Uh, we'll release the podcast, I think, on YouTube after the screening. Yeah, so if anyone's in the Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire area and wants to kind of join us in this live screening, it's happening on the 29th of February um, at about 8pm. Uh, go to go to the uh, quad in Derby and join us there. 
It's going to be a hell of a time. So you'll see uh, an intro by us. Yeah. And then just get to watch this glorious movie. It's it's it is a trash film. It mm. is in the sweet spot. I think we wouldn't really be sh- we wouldn't really show any other kind of movie. We'd only want to watch movies that are purely in the trash spot. Yes, to demonstrate to people, we would never put you anything that's really torturous. Because the thing is, people have to pay to see these movies. Yeah, you, you you're giving <laughs> so money. You need to make them enjoy themselves to if they're paying for it. A hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. We're not sadists. <laughs> yeah, we we might we I might be the inflictor of pain, but I'm not a bastard. No. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you. If this is the first time you're hearing us, thank you very much for subscribing. Um, if you want to follow along, remember we're on now on all uh, podcast platforms, so you can find us on uh, Spotify. Uh, you can find us on Apple I uh, Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on Buzzsprout. Everywhere you can find that, and also we have a YouTube channel as well. Yes. So if you want to find any of our video content, because we do kind of have crossover moments, but we also have unique content over there, you can find us on YouTube under the Trash Tapes. So if you find in the Trash Tapes YouTube channel, you find you can find us there. But you're also connected to things like uh, Enigmatic Productions, and we also have Enigmatic Play for all the video game stuff. So if you whatever you like, we have a little bit of your fancy. Yeah, you can always find... Say you come across one of the channels, like you go to the main Enigmatic Productions channel, which is easier to find because it's been on there for longer. Yeah. If you go onto the channel of that, there are links, easily clickable icons to the other channels, like the Trash yeah. Tapes and Enigmatic Play, so you can find this quite easily. Exactly. So go there, like, subscribe, share, and a whole shebang. Because we're, we're not, not saying we're slowly trying to grow an empire, but it mm. would be nice. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I would like Rome. Yeah. <laughs> And if you, I mean, some people might not use podcast platforms, so if you wanted to just... You can listen to the uh, episodes on the website. So if you just go to enigmaticproductions.co.uk yeah. forward slash the trash tapes with hyphens in between the words, then you can just listen to all the episodes on the, on the website. Every single one of them. Yeah. So there you go. There's our little plug-in. So now, next month... I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Like I said, I'm not going to tease too much, but next month, I'm... Um, because there's a certain video game coming out around this time, we're going to do a video game movie. But actually, we're not doing one. We're doing two. We're not doing one, then we're doing two. So it's a double whammy. It's the first time ever we're doing a double feature, which I am terrified about. So get ready, people. Thank you very much for hearing. Keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you guys later. Oh See you later, guys. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Thank you for listening to this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. <laughs>